From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. No more clipboard, paper, pen. We want the patient to fill out their clinical information in advance. We want them to register their name, uh, all of the sort of demographic, the patient payment information in advance. So that is the first place where we start to minimize touch. That's Karen Zupko talking about the need for practices to shift to contactless digital transactions with patients. We'll hear more from Karen on ways to offer patients a better financial experience. But first, a word from our sponsors. It's a challenging time to work in healthcare and to collect the payment that keeps your practice afloat. Waystar's unified payments platform automates workflows and helps you collect more revenue more efficiently. The Waystar platform is optimized for all kinds of organizations, from physician groups to specialty practices, and can work seamlessly with your existing systems. You'll be able to get up and running quickly with Waystar's world-class client support team, guiding you every step of the way. Bring in more revenue with fewer resources. Experience the power of one with Waystar. Visit waystar.com to learn more. A proven payment solution for patients' out-of-pocket cost, the Care Credit Health, Wellness, and Personal Care Credit Card gives cardholders a convenient way to pay for treatments and procedures at locations in the Care Credit Network. With promotional financing for purchases of $200 or more, cardholders can move forward with the care they need and want today and make monthly payments over time. Learn more about how Care Credit helps providers deliver a better patient financial experience at carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. COVID-19 emerged in an era when high deductible healthcare plans covered nearly 24 million consumers with exceptionally high healthcare premiums and out-of-pocket costs. In this episode of the MGMA Insights podcast, Karen Zupko, president of Karen Zupko and Associates, explains how additional strain caused by this crisis points to the need for healthcare providers to find ways to offer patients a better financial experience especially as more patients face personal financial issues such as pay reductions, furloughs, and job loss that may impact their health coverage and their ability to pay for medical care. Karen, thanks so much for joining us today. Daniel, I was so happy that you invited me. Absolutely. So let's first get an idea and an understanding of what you've been working on, where's your major area of focus been during the pandemic? I'm happy to share that with you. I think the biggest challenge has been helping practices understand that the financial policies, practices, and mode of operation that made them so successful in 2019 are outdated 
And those very same policies and procedures and thinking are going to hold you back in 2020. And that the change is dramatic. And it's not just on the clinical care side, it's on the business side. So that has been one big challenge. And I think the second one that's kept uh, much of my team busy has been uh, 2021, we have these dramatic changes in ENM coding. So at the same time, we're trying to juggle new clinical protocols, new payment and business protocols, then we have to learn a whole new coding system. So it's been a challenge for, for practices, for managers, physicians, the whole team, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, what have uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, what has that done to patients and to the patient's financial experience? Well, uh, let me say that the fact that people, we have still have high unemployment, not as bad as it was earlier this year. High deductible health plans have not gone away. They're still very much in place. And for many people, fourth quarter where they typically had met their deductible, they haven't because they had postponed care, right? Mm -hmm. And a, a so you've got the high unemployment, the high deductible health plans, and, and also people who've lost their coverage. So you have a patient population that's in a different economic strata over here. But Daniel, I want to share one really interesting conversation I had with two gentlemen. One is on the West Coast, and he runs a very large national uh, credit bureau collection company. The other is in Florida. Similarly, it goes way beyond the state of Florida. Both of them shared with me that when the stimulus money hit, they were receiving phone calls from patients saying, hey, how can I pay? Will you give me a discount for cash? That, and this was borne out, by the way, by some statistics that I had in previous presentations uh, by the Bank of America. They said, Checking accounts that typically had $5,000 or less now have $5,000 or slightly more. Hmm. And it was shared. These are really important points. They shared that ever since most banks, my bank does this, maybe yours does too, they send me my credit score. You know, once a month, I can go on a financial dashboard. Both gentlemen said, man, 40 days after we get their account, that hits that credit score. We're not calling them anymore, they're calling us. So it's, this is how I am thinking about it and I'm, I'm interested in your reaction. I think we have very much a bifurcated economy, a bifurcated econ patient economy that we're having to deal with. So I'm not gonna assume everybody can pay or everybody can't pay. I'm going to have to train the staff to ask questions, to figure out where in this puzzle that particular patient fits. Mm-hmm, yeah, well, thank, thanks for sharing that. Um, and I wanted to ask you about something that you and I spoke about earlier, and that's about how COVID-19 is accelerating a massive shift to contactless digital transactions. Um, 
Let's examine that. Let's talk about that more deeply and what it means to both patients and to practices. Okay, and great place to start. COVID-19 has absolutely accelerated the necessity of having a great patient portal, not good, a great patient portal, and it helps us clinically because guess what? When you talk about contactless, I actually had an orthopedic visit uh, eight weeks ago, fractured fifth metatarsal, and I could not believe that that orthopedic walk-in clinic gave me a clipboard with paper and a pen. I mean, my eyes were like saucers. I'm going, have you not gotten the memo, folks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we no more clipboard, paper, pen. We want the patient to fill out their clinical information in advance. We want them to register their name, uh, all of the sort of demographic, the patient payment information in advance. So that is the first place where we start to minimize touch is patient pre-registration, utilization of the portal. And for people that sort of said, oh, no, I'd rather do it when I get there. You say you can't. If you are not pre-registered, you'll have to wait in the hallway or the parking lot <laughs> until you get this done. Mm -hmm. And if somebody, certainly Daniel, if you can tell that I'm a little old lady, you know, well, of course you're gonna say, you know what, Mrs. Brooks, Betty Jean from our staff is gonna call you and she's gonna help you. She'll put that all in the computer before you get here. So that that's, really where it starts. Also, let me say, if you're going to have a telemedicine visit and you are not, and you're a new patient, which could be the case, we're going to have to do all that registration online before the doctor ever gets with you. Um, and then I hope a little later you'll ask me some questions so I can talk about uh, prepayment um, because I think that's another another place where we've made, where we've seen some practices actually try it, practice their wording and approach, and have it had had success with getting patients to prepay. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the uh, other important topics regarding the patient financial experience is managing payment plans and managing financial counseling. So. In previous conversations, you've said that there, there are tools that can help patients with out-of-pocket costs and copays. Um, how does a practice implement these products and services? What are those first steps that they need to take to make this a reality for them? Well, you know, um, Daniel, the, the white paper that MGMA did with Care Credit if our listeners have not received that document, folks, you really need it. I have used with clients who have to persuade the doctors who are somewhat change resistant, I know that's a surprise, but when they have to persuade the doctors about change, that white paper has been a very, very useful tool, mm -hmm. okay? So what are some of those things that we need to do? Well, we need to, First of all, buy a more up-to-date, 
processor, right? So that it's, uh, you can use the little uh, mark on your credit card. We have practices that are accepting payment via Zelle and Venmo among younger people. I, I, I wanna say this, I think this whole thing starts though with practices, let me just take you back a step. Mm -hmm. The number of practices who still do not send email statements is shocking, okay? No email statement. Now, I will challenge any of our listeners, if you look at your electric bill, your mortgage bill, your condo assessment, your bill from Chubb Insurance, um, everybody is going to say, pay online. Meanwhile, when you look in your mailbox, probably the only paper statements you have are from physicians and, and dentists, mm -hmm. okay? So we need to get with it because we've got this giant bubble of younger people. And I've surveyed those younger people who work in my office. I bet you it's the same at MGMA. They don't have a checkbook. Now, to someone in my era, this is absolutely shocking, but they do not have a checkbook. So you've, you've got to meet the patient where they are and what is in their wallet. Mm -hmm. Chances are those younger folks are paying with their phone. They're not even going to the, to the desktop. Mm -hmm. So let me just say, then when I email the statement, I need to have an online payment option. Mm -hmm. And if your website, if you're listening and your website does not have a secure online payment button, I might say that that's the first thing you should do when we're done with this program. That's a good point. Um, thank you for sharing. That was a, a great story. And thank you for sharing that. Um, now, you spoke at an MGMA webinar on this topic recently. Uh, we got to work together then. And one of the things that you talked about is strategies that address um, the patient financial experience preferences, regardless of the care setting. So let's unpack that. Let's examine that. Um, tell us what you mean there and how to, can you make this work? One piece of research that I can assure everybody listening is that patients do not welcome surprises and that payment anxiety, you know, increases blood pressure and doesn't do anything for patient compliance. And Daniel, one of the things that I liked in the white paper were some of the quotes from M Mona Reimer's quote stands out. She's the administrator of a big orthopedic group in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, she said, look, the more options we have to offer, the easier it is for patients to be able to settle their account um, with us. So I think having a, a, I describe it as a buffet of options. Um, what we don't want to do, do not want to do, underline capital letters, is for practices to try to set up their own payment plan. As someone with 40 years of experience in working in this area with doctors, both at the American Medical Association prior to KZA, 
it never works. Why does it never work? Because you are never overstaffed in the business office. You're never overstaffed. Most of the software programs, Daniel, do not make it easy to track who was on a payment program and who just missed their obligation. So I, I ask, there are some softwares uh, that I've recently looked at who've tried to make that tracking easier, but it's still not state-of-the-art, and it still requires you to have, you know, Betty Jean in your office calling and emailing patients, you've missed your payment. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I have been such an enthusiast about patient financing programs. One of the things that um, I know that our listeners like to do is, is measure quality, measure outcomes. Um, right. How have you been able to measure success? Uh, what are some of the KPIs or other data points that you've been monitoring especially closely to, to really make sense of things out here? Right. Let me give you one idea that I've gotten very positive feedback about. And that is when you look at your day of patients, and many of you are still are seeing 40, 50 patients a day. Um, if you call your computer vendor, you might not know how to do this, but in fact, the system does it. It will show you what the prior balance owed is for all the people coming in tomorrow and the day after, okay? And we have discovered that here's, we use technology to remind people about appointments, but if it's over $100 that the patient owes, and this is true in most surgical practices, right? Patients are coming in in that 90-day global, right? Free visits, post-op care. You, you file timely, they paid timely, you've got another two month period of time where that patient will be returning to the office. So if it's over $100, we're gonna encourage you to call the patient and to say, you know, good news. And I mean, say it just this way. Good news, Daniel, your insurance paid and you only owe $386. Um, I can take that for you now, you know, know you're coming in on Friday. Oh, okay. Sure, you can pay when you come in on Friday. Daniel, how will you be paying? Cash, if you still take cash, which some mm -hmm. practices don't. Check. He's an old guy. He probably has a checkbook. Credit card. HSA, right? So, and I'm going to make a note of that, what your promise to pay was. And then we will send that to Rhonda, the receptionist. And when you check in, she'll greet you warmly and say that she understands that you're going to make a $200 payment on that balance with your HSA card. Just like that. Sounds easy. <laughs> um, let's, let's kind of flip the switch here then, because obviously there are some challenges right now uh, with people's finances. There's challenges, um, you know, unemployment is up. There's a lot of issues. People are dealing with economic issues. And so what are some of those particular complications or challenges in working with patients in helping them through this time? Talk, talk to us about that. 
Well, one of the things that we have always recommended, Daniel, is that people use the federal poverty guidelines, which if you Google federal poverty guidelines, you will get that on your computer screen. And it tells you at what point uh, of income and people living on that check, uh, there's an intersection point and that the patient would, um, for most healthcare organizations at about 250% of the FPL, that patient would qualify for charity care. I think that, you know, we have to be realistic. If I've been laid off and I've lost my health insurance, sending me to collections or, you know, browbeating me in some other way is just not going to be productive. I, and I make this point to my clients that some of the people who are in difficult circumstances today were your clients back when they were working and they had health insurance. Some of them will get a job, will get, will get insured once more, and you will want them to be your patient then. So that's a very important point. It's a heartfelt point to me in meeting people where they are. And they do have to bring you some documentation. So I hope you have a private and enclosed place to have that sensitive conversation. So you've touched on a lot of aspects here, a lot of content and information. So it could be a little bit overwhelming want to get an idea from you then, what are some first steps a practice can take um, to help patients have a better financial experience? Well, I think, the, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing the practice needs to do is to take a good internal look at themselves. And what do I mean by that? I have practices that have outdated policies on their websites. They have the 2018 um, deductible for Medicare. Right. I have practices that are still saying, you know, we'll collect your $10 copay. The copay ain't $10 anymore. Um, I've got people who don't measure anything. So you asked me about that earlier, and I think prior balance collection would be one collection of the legitimate copays and unmet deductibles would be another. I just looked at a practice where one of the doctors had $250,000 in patient debt over 120 days. And you say, my God, how could that happen? I will tell you how that could happen. This doctor was a little bit older and remembers the good old days when insurance paid most of the bill. And that's not, that's just sadly, that's not the case anymore. So in order to help the patient, I think you have to help yourself. Um, that practice, by the way, I was successful. They have hired two additional people for the business office, which were two people that were needed. There's nobody that had time to call the patient who owed the over 100. There was nobody who was designated as the financial counselor and whose um, 
who had the responsibility to say, I have collected the surgery scheduling deposits. Sure. Now, one of the ways to, I think, to get things more streamlined, to be more efficient for a practice is to provide um, a standard questionnaire. I want to get your thoughts on that and maybe what are some uh, you know, designated questions that you can just put in there uh, to help move that process along, be more efficient, but at the same time be able to communicate with those patients. Tell me what you envision for the questionnaire. That's a good question. I think you want to get to the the bottom of what's going on in that patient's um, financial situation. You know, where are they? Are they employed? Are they having some challenges? What is their um, insurance going to cover? I mean, what are their worries about their medical bills and how they can pay that? But that would be, I'm looking at that as perhaps from the uh, patient's point of view, though. So, Well, first of all, you're exactly right about um, employment and insurance, which are two essential pieces of information that we ask for on that uh, patient registration form, which needs to be updated and not by saying, has anything changed, by periodically saying, we're updating the medical record and I need, you to, need to ask you to complete this again. Mm-hmm. So that's how we would know about workplace and insurance. I think um, one of the ways that I would get a patient reaction to their bill and their capacity to pay is by using the claim estimator. And we haven't talked about that, we, mm-hmm. and we, we very well should. Um, this is where you either go in through your clearinghouse, and some of the uh, more modern softwares have made that integration between into the clearinghouse uh, just absolutely seamless, or otherwise people are going to a place like www.availity.com or they're going directly to the United Healthcare website or Blue Cross Blue Shield of wherever you live. And um, Daniel, what you can do there is I can put in your name, your policy number. I'll put in the CPT code, the procedure code for you know allergy testing or you know the, the fracture care. So I'll put in the diagnosis, the CPT code, and voila, out comes a a piece of paper with your insurance company name and your name on it. And it says, this is where Daniel is. This is what we're going to pay. This is what he's likely to owe. So it's not my best guesstimate. It's not written on a yellow post-it note. It's an official document. And yes, that takes me, may take me a couple minutes but that couple minutes pays a huge dividend ongoing in terms of my not having to chase you to pay. Mm-hmm. And when you see the bill, you may say, wow, you know, I better, if, if it's not a fracture, I better postpone having my knee replacement. You know, I'm going to hobble around for another couple months until I, I get this, you know, my funds straightened out. Um, And then if you say that, I will propose to you our payment options. Maybe you want to use your care credit card to pay. Mm -hmm. You know, are you familiar with that? 
and to introduce you to that concept. What about having the conversation where you're proactively talking about this is what it's going to cost? Because we all know about, um, you know, getting the bill and maybe being surprised by it. But if you can go ahead and sort of itemize things, you can spell it out for that patient. Talk about that and how that can build trust um, with the patient and help get a better reconcile expectations on both sides there as far as ability to pay and perhaps uh, this is what, you know, I'm going to be needed to pay. I'm going to need well, to pay. That's what that claim estimate does because it will have the office visit, the surgical procedure, the DME that you may need if it's orthopedics in a line item fashion. Very, very important. And it's your name and your policy that is written um, on the claim estimate. And I, I think there's some interesting statistics. And let me see if I, if I have that right here mm -hmm. about this, I do. 46% of patients who receive cost estimates stated they would be more likely to pay their bill at the time of service, okay? Mm -hmm. um, 70% of patients who received a cost estimate said they would be more likely to return for care in the future or recommend the practice to a friend. People do not want to be surprised after the fact about a ginormous bill, <laughs> right? You know, and there was just a terrible story about a doctor in Connecticut who was doing COVID testing, but he was adding all these other tests on, and people wound up with fourteen hundred dollar bills. That did nothing to that for that physician's reputation, right, mm -hmm. or standing in the community. I want to get some final thoughts from you. Um, what else would you like to share with our audience about? the patient financial experience and how they can um, embrace that and, and really develop good, better communication lines, better programs and processes to really develop a win-win for the, both the practice and for the patient. Well, I think one of the things is my saying to somebody at the reception desk, hey, 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 you know what? We've got to collect more of those prior balances. Um, if I really want Rhonda the receptionist to be better at bringing up prior balances, I am going to sit next to Rhonda and I'm going to demonstrate the technique that can be used. And Rhonda is going to see what, how I react when some patient gets mean or sassy with me, you know? It's one thing to say, do this, and then it's another thing to deal with the, with the unhappy, mean, sassy patient, right? So I think um, more training on talking with people about financial matters. Um, Daniel, I've had some good luck with creating some loose, loose scripted situations and having people practice, you know, on one another, get one of the clinical people to be the patient and you try your, try your approach and see how that works. Um, it's not going to come 
you know, in a lightning bolt and hit somebody in the head, how to be better at it, how to be more comfortable talking about money. It's, it's just not going to happen. So I think spending that extra time on training is well advised. I've even done something where I've had the practice I was at call one of my practices where people make the appointment, bring up the need to give a credit card to guarantee the appointment and do that in such a polished way. I mean, you would think you were calling the Ritz or the Four Seasons. You know, they are just that smooth. And somebody says, oh, oh, well, that's, that's how to do it. Yeah. So I, I think having a role model is, is uh, extremely helpful. Okay. Well, Karen, I want to thank you so much for sharing these thoughts with us today. I think, uh, you know, finances are, are, are a challenge for so many right now. And to be able to streamline and provide better options for people is the way to go about it. So thank you for giving us some, uh, some tips, some action plans, some next steps to make that happen. Well, it's been my pleasure visiting with you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Karen Zupko. And thanks to Waystar and to Care Credit for sponsoring this week's show. Learn more about how Waystar helps practices bring in more revenue with fewer resources. Visit waystar.com to learn more. And learn more about how Care Credit helps providers deliver a better patient financial experience at carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at MGMA.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.